0: hello hey kia ora, how are you hey spanky man i'm doing pretty good how are you bet yourself
1: I'm so, ah, I'm so good i'm so you good i'm so
0: jesus fell in the background what does that mean have we just have we giving ourselves an omen
1: i'll show you something actually you wait yeah there. You go, yeah, yeah. Wait there. what i love about jesus who lives back there is he's often doing this pat oh he's often there just looking <laughs> you don't know if he's smiling or if he's frowning at the conversation you have
0: I think I've always for people who don't I mean I've always had the understanding and I'll, and I'll say if for the respect of some of my viewers and or listeners yeah. if this Jesus character is who they said he was mm. then I think he has got probably a wicked sense of humour And I mean, I sometimes think of the story as this dude who hung out with his 12 best mates on a camping trip for three years. Imagine, imagine the conversations around the fireplace, you know what I mean? And and yeah, he may be holier than thou in a lot of the imagery and stuff, but it's still, when you get to the crux of it, there are 12 hardened fisherman type men. And if you think about the context of that today, deadliest catch fishermen, the hardest of the hard. Sitting around a campfire for three years, having a big camping trip—it must have. I, I just, I, I refuse to believe if that story is true and accurate, that there was this po-faced bloomin', you know, cautious bloomin', holier than thou person. I think that.
1: Well, I, was... I, I appreciate that in some ways. You're saying my icon—he looks a bit stern. But there's actually a website um, series that was developed called Jesus Laughs, because there oh, were yeah. some people that realised very few paintings had you know gotten out of jesus having a good time and so there was a whole movement of people making those and whenever you see one it does make you crack up because it's so <laughs> uncommon to see See, one. i think you're right though that um i was talking to a guy just the other day who was telling me how seriously he took it when jesus said you know if your right hand offends you cut it off yeah. and, uh, and i said okay that's cool no i was like oh that's cool you're into it You know. You know that when he told that story, everyone probably laughed because he was telling a joke like it was hyperbole and that when he said that, they all probably slapped their legs and said, ah, ha, ha, not that it shouldn't be taken seriously, but that he was using a, a humorous device to make his point. And uh, the guy had to think about that for a while. He was about to get his kitchen knife and about to hack his hand off. Uh, you know, I don't know what he'd been up to as a young man. Um Uh, And I was like, yeah, I think you might want to understand Jesus's vibe was probably a little different than you think. I
0: I have to apologize, Reverend Spanky Moore, but I am a lot of my my Christianity and commentary around that today is is steeped in American kind of politics because that's I'm, I'm passionate about it. So it may not be. It may not be a fair thing that I'm about to say across the broader spectrum, but it's one of the things that frustrates me most of all about people who call themselves literalists. I literally believe everything in the Bible. Because you're like, but hang on, and that book is full of metaphor and simile and poetry and examples and allegories. You know, like this like Jesus wasn't actually a lamb. It wasn't actually a literal lamb.
1: Yes, I know. Well, there's a great heresy called lambism, where some Christians believe (laughs) Jesus was literally a... uh... (laughs) I remember, no, I I did drop that in a sermon once and said, how many of you are lambists? Get out! No, but it's the same, right? When the Bible says, God, you are my rock. Do we really think God's literally a rock? So, no, I know there's a, it's a crazy world we live in, Pat, isn't
0: it? That's why I always say to people, I mean, no matter what people believe, right, and what they think, the 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 teachings of this character by the name of Jesus were, were pretty unquestionable, you know? Look after the widows and orphans, you know, look after others, you know, put others ahead of you when it's appropriate, you know, be, be kind, follow the rules, you know, give unto Caesar, you know, with these things that are actually, like if he was just a, a guru, if that was his only claim, it's probably a lot easier for a whole bunch of people to follow his teachings today than perhaps they find it easy to because of other stuff that's either been attached to it or other stuff that's harder to grasp on. Like, for example, the story around the Easter weekend, which is a harder thing to grasp onto. You know, Mahatma Gandhi is not hard to grasp onto. Who was a human with a whole bunch of teachings? Not too much controversy about, you know, I follow the teachings of Mahatma Gandhi, because he probably never claimed anything to be other than a, you know, an enlightened person. Where it claims that are made about a a god figure, that then becomes a sticking point. If it was if it was just the teachings, I think there might be more people who follow Jesus today than do because of the either the stuff that he said to have done or the way it's been interpreted by some or Some of those things that are a bit harder to understand like you know dude dying and coming back sort of thing
1: yes yeah yeah you're right and um i think the teachings of jesus have had influence in particularly western society more than most of us realize um Uh Uh, you know, I was worked as the chaplain at Canterbury University for a long time. And I think people talked as if they went down to a pub with their friends and they said, hey, you know what I think's a good idea? I reckon everyone's of equal worth, whether they're disabled or unproductive or anything. I just think everyone's of equal worth. And it's like, I don't think you came up with that.
0: <laughs> and it's interesting when someone, re- when, when someone repackages something, eh? like I was talking to an American uh, right-wing contributor called Dave Rubin, and we were talking about um, the healthcare in New Zealand because he's very anti, you know, universal healthcare. And he described to me when I described to him what we do. You know, we go to the the chemist. The the government pays some of our prescription. We get a prescription. I and and I described that. He went, oh, yeah, "I'd be fine with that." That clip got picked up by a left wing commentator in America, and I didn't pick it up because I'm not okay with Obamacare. But they said that this right wing commentator had basically just agreed with Obamacare. Because what I described, without knowing, was Obamacare. He was against Obamacare because he was a right-wing commentator, but in that instance, apparently he was agreeing with it and siding with it. So when you repackage something like that, it's interesting to see what people take on board.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. And I think people think some of our ethics and the way we think about things that, I don't know, you know, me and Pat were down at the pub having a drink and I thought, hey, maybe everyone's just of internal, infinite worth, regardless of their utilitarian use you <laughs> oh, know yeah that sounds about true and it's like well i don't know you there's a guy who did some interesting talks on a on a mountain you know around <laughs> the Beatitudes and the sermon on the mount and you'll probably find that most western ethics whether they like it or not have been profoundly impacted by the teachings of jesus and you may not like jesus but i'm just saying a lot of your assumptions um have come from some of his teaching uh but yeah you're right easter's tricky because um Easter is the time, I guess, when it's harder to separate Jesus's teachings from who he claimed to be or who the Christian church claims that he claimed to be. So I'll even put it that way. And so, yeah, Easter, man, Easter is, up. I was at um, just last night, a service at our local cathedral. So like see, you get dressed up sometimes. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. You can't see it from my beard. If you had a dog collar, it'd be very hard to know. And um, no, you don't good the church isn't ordaining people like you that's good news actually <laughs> yeah, and, <it's> true. <laughs> um and yeah when it was you know it was just six of us in this great big cathedral that could fit 300 and there was a real sense and i went to the easter service. oh sorry i went to the christmas service and there yeah. was like 250 people at this midnight service right there. right it was crammed, and I saw people, you know, I go on my jandals, and I'm a minister. I saw people who clearly don't very often go, dressed top to toe in suits, you know, the oh, nice. college, good educations, the yeah. right thing to do is to go to church on, but on Easter, Easter Wednesday, the story gets a little harder, I think, for people to swallow, and uh, it was just six of us in a giant
0: cathedral. I think part of of that's probably the culture though, isn't it? I mean, like I I think straight away, so I grew up in the Catholic church. So, you know, I've done a lot of those Maundy Tuesdays and pancake Tuesdays and, you know, Holy Thursdays and all that kind of stuff. And I went to an, I went to an all Catholic boys boarding school. So part of the uh, kind of education was to attend chapel. So, you know, I've experienced a lot of that, but one of the things that always stuck other than, and it's, I, I will remember it because it was the only, one of the only few songs I ever enjoyed, in my Catholic church, it was um, dance with the devil when the world would begun, dance with the moon and the stars and the sun. They came down from him. Oh, him that feels like an Easter song to me. I don't know why, whether my church upbringing just had it there but there aren't Easter songs but of course we're flooded with Christmas songs so I mean it happens down here as well we've got cathedrals in Dunedin um, Knox one uh, is, a, is a Presbyterian one in Dunedin and it's got two layers and you need to get there an hour before the service starts on Christmas Eve because again they've got a choir and it's the carol service first followed by the Christmas service so the, I, I do really believe that the actual tradition around the music around Christmas adds a huge part to that you don't have a I mean, I, I I might be wrong saying that that's a that hymn is a Easter hymn, but it's how I remember it. It doesn't yeah, seem well, to there, be yeah, Easter hymns.
1: There, are, there are, this surprised me. For musos out there, we think of carols as being strictly Christmas, but there are Easter carols. There are other carols. Right. They're just not. They're not very popular.
0: <laughs> and not, I imagine not. I, are, I imagine not very fun either. You,
1: I know you're the one to ask the questions. Um, does Jesus put you off back there? Is that fun?
0: Uh, no it's good I wish he was winking I don't know something about if he was winking it'd be even better but Look
1: at this, I can put, it's me <laughs> like that, that's pretty cool um, how did you find Catholic boarding school sorry I know, am I allowed to ask you that? was it good with yeah, that? yeah
0: yeah yeah no no listen we, this is what we call the department of conversation we just have a chat bro you ask me whatever you want I loved boarding school I loved 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 it so I went to St Peter's College in Mountain Road in Epsom in Central Auckland uh, in Form 1 uh, year nine, seven, year seven for people who don't know the old system. And I stayed there until partway through form four. So that would be year 10. And then at that partway through about, it was actually about Easter of, of, of that year. I went to Sacred Heart College in Glen Innes and sort of East, East Auckland. Uh, my, my dad went to Sacred Heart College. He always wanted me to go there. There were some things happening with me at St. Peter's where I wasn't going to school. I was just uh, helping the caretaker, clear up rubbish during class time. So they thought maybe it's time to move them off to Sacred Heart. So I went to Sacred Heart between sort of uh, about Easter of Form 4 and spent a year being what they call a day boy, lived in Hillsborough and travelled across to Glenis each day with a uh, public bus and then a private school bus from Newmarket. And then um, about a year later, probably a, a third of the way through Fifth Form, um, went boarding. So boarded for three quarters of Fifth Form in the last two years of school and honestly loved it. I mean, I, as I just said about, you know, Jesus... To me on some levels with this guy with 12 of his best mates on a camping trip for three years i kind of felt like that at boarding school there was always someone to throw a football round with there was always someone to play cards with we used to gamble quite a lot there there was always someone to go up to the dairy with and, and get some chips and play some spaces you know and they were good people we had and i know some people think about boarding school especially in that era as being sort of you know there's a thing called fagging where the senior boys get to basically lord over the junior boys and that kind of we had none of that at sacred heart so it was really – that wasn't the culture of the of the boarding school there. So I acknowledge that a lot of people found boarding school for them to be traumatic and horrific. For me, loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Mm. Always someone to play tennis with. Always someone to, you know, yeah, really good. Sorry to uh, to be so overly confident, but that was how I experienced it.
1: Oh, no, because no, like you, I absolutely acknowledge it was terrible – terrible experiences and will never defend those experiences or or make them smaller than they are. But there are some other experiences that people have, uh, and, and you sometimes don't hear those and you go, Oh, was that good? You know, and yeah. someone goes, Oh yeah, well, it was actually quite good, you know. So yeah. oh cool. Very
0: good.
1: And there's
0: and there's lots of stories about you know Catholic upbringing in all boys' schools and you know priests and that kind of stuff from my and and, and like some of the stories around that and as of recent times having the Pope coming out and apologizing sort of thing. But me, never saw it. Never, I was a, I was a freaking altar boy. Maybe I was an ugly altar boy because I was never touched or approached. Um, but I was an actual altar boy and I never saw or heard or experienced anything like that. Um, didn't mean it didn't happen in where I was, but I, I had a perfectly middle class, happy, contented upbringing in the Catholic Church with my family and my school for me.
1: Yeah. Well, I've got, yeah, I've got a number of friends who are um, Catholic clergy and have done a lot of processing with them because, of course, they just feel deep pain over how some of their colleagues have been evil embodied. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they definitely are stories of good stuff and they're just inexcusable stories of bad I, the, the I, I mean,
0: being able to speak with some experience because I, I you know, it's spent 17 years in the pew, so to speak, left school, left, left the Catholic church. Um, I think the, the, the biggest mess up there was actually how the church handled those situations rather than situations. There are dirt bags and scumbags and evil people in every walk of life. But when you find them, you don't move them to another parish. Mm. You move them to a police cell. So that, if that hadn't have happened, Those probably colleagues of yours that are feeling, you know, processing it would probably feel very differently because, you know, teacher at a school can be that person, a boss at a a workplace can be that person. And if they're dealt with appropriately, A, it doesn't set up a culture of that happening, and B, you don't have that group or organisational school or church having to apologise it for the following 50 years. I guess, guess
1: what do they say? It's often not the crime, it's the cover up that is the yeah. um, is the problem but also I, I want to acknowledge as you know as a minister as a priest myself i mean i'm a protestant priest but um like church leaders have a unique trust that they bring people in. and so while i acknowledge there's evil in all institutions i think there's a real way that that religious leaders can manipulate people you know the power imbalance can be so horrible because it's you know you know it, it can be there's a particular evil about it where um where it's a real scourge and a real um embarrassment and a deep shame uh for the for the church and you know of course I have worked with people who have recovered from a lot of that stuff and I've been abused and maybe I should be you know because I represent to them uh things and I sometimes can be a person of healing because you can apologize uh for things that have happened but yeah Hey, have I shown you something my son made? I'm sorry, not to be
0: trivial. Uh, no, uh, you haven't sh- shown me what your son made.
1: I I my, now, my son is at a good uh, Catholic school because my yep. wife was Catholic and we got in on the ticket. <laughs> and look what, look, at this. look what he brought home from school. Oh, what do you think it is, Pat? I, I
0: think, what think it's a rabbit.
1: It
0: is? Oh, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's not a rabbit. What's it's an hey, egg. That it's an egg? egg with <laughs> eggs.
1: Well, it's a Christian egg, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, it's an Easter bunny egg. It's a mashup. And if you put Jesus in the midst, it all gets, hey, it's just so inclusive. It's every kind of um, religion under the sun. But it's a, it is um it's interesting how uh, Easter symbols sort of pop up. Um there's so many i I I've often thought about um, Easter. One of the challenges with it is You've seen this and across all sorts of festivals. You've seen, say, Halloween coming to New Zealand. You've seen Valentine's Day. You've seen Black Friday. That commercialism is pretty aggressive with how do we create a, a sale opportunity out of anyone's festival, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I've always thought that Christmas was easier to monetize, both because mm-hmm. Santa, I don't know, I guess Santa's a good pitch, a good sell, um, he's also was the Bishop of Turkey, by the way, but you know, I mean the new Santa. Uh, but also Jesus, babies, camels. But there's something about Easter, particularly the Christian aspect, the cross, the death, that um has just never taken off. Is that what you think? Like, I mean, we've got hot cross buns. Um, and I don't know what I think about all these mochaccino flavoured hot cross buns that I see at New York. <laughs> that, um, and, but yeah, you know, it just seems like that there's something around um, an execution device that's, as it's turned out, been incredibly hard to monetize
0: for, <laughs> for capitalism.
1: What do you think of that, Pat? Is that true?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, look, it's one of the things I can't want to talk about today. And obviously, uh, people who are listening, one of the reasons we're talking to a Reverend Spanky and is being released on Good Friday is you're a really interesting dude. We haven't talked about you and your background and your music and stuff, yet, but also, you know, I love bringing people in this week. And I've done it before with my friend Malcolm Gordon, who's a, a, a reverend as well, I think officially, um, who to talk about like the Easter thing, especially how we interact with it in a 2022 context within New Zealand. And what I noticed today uh, this week, so I do another daily show uh, called Big Hairy News. Big Hairy News is a daily news conversation, and um, last night. I made a thumbnail for it. I make a thumbnail every single day for it. And I made a thumbnail for it And because I actually talked to a a guy called Frank Ritchie on that this morning. uh, And he was talking to us a little bit about the the culture of Easter and and that in a 10-minute slot. I went and found this image here of Jesus on the cross for a part of our thumbnail, right? So I, I found that for a part of our thumbnail. And what I realized when I was looking for it, I'm just going to take it off that for a second in case when I get rid of it, some terrible sight pops up. Oh, no, it hasn't it's a good site when I went looking for it I literally just put into google search the word easter and 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 to be fair I also made the image large here you can change the image size there to large and the oh, reason yeah. I did that is because I want the, the resolution to be a bit better for my thumbnail and I was just fascinated that I had to scroll quite a lot so it's only easter that's my word easter nothing else I had to scroll quite a long way Before I found out anything to do with the the Jesus story, Um, there is one. I had a look before I came to talk to you. Where is it? There it is. There. So that's the first one there. And even that's a little bit. But it started to make me think, and this is part of the thing I want to talk to you about, sort of reflecting what you're saying about the story of the monetizing of on some level. But even what is is Easter in a modern Western culture, Look, I mean, I, I, I'm still scrolling because I don't think there's been a second one since I started. There's that first one. But you see what I'm saying? It's like if if, if you were an alien and you landed on this planet and you Googled, because I'm sure that's the first thing an alien would do, the word Easter, according to this, there is nothing to do with any religion that has to do with Easter. You know, you wouldn't think that. And I, I thought that's yeah, really interesting. I
1: um, it shows I was raised in a Christian home um, and I was the youngest of, you know, quite a lot of older kids. So you tend to miss out on things. You know, parents make less of an effort with the youngest <laughs> one. So I'm I've not so, <laughs>
0: many,
1: yeah, like this wasn't so much probably a Christian thing, but um, like I didn't really, I didn't grow up remembering getting chocolate eggs. It wasn't a big part of my life. Um, you know, like I guess Easter was a big, you go to church and remembering about Jesus' death and resurrection, just like the bunny thing wasn't a big thing. And you get married and you discover there's a new family. You know, there's a new cultures. You think your family's normal and then you get married and you discover you're not. Your family's weird because there's another family that's also weird. And yeah. uh, my wife, Sarah, on Easter, we were having some family get together. And suddenly the night, uh, Saturday, um, Easter Saturday, she said, okay, guys, kids are in bed. Let's hide the eggs. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, what? What?" She was like, you've been abused as a child. How did <laughs> you not get enough chocolate eggs? Everyone knows. Easter, you hide the eggs, and then all the kids come out with baskets, and the Easter bunnies, bean, just like Santa, and we go and we find them. And, and it was like me discovering one part. It was like this new tradition where I was like, oh, what have I been missing out on? But another part of me, I was like offended. I was like, This is Easter Sunday. This is the resurrection of the Lord. You know, uh, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. And this abomination, this whore of Babylon of chocolate eggs is taking over the sacred, you know, and I kind of ranted a bit and I calmed down and I realized chocolate eggs probably aren't that bad. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it is a a challenge, I think, because Christmas – Christmas is this idea of a a baby that somehow comes and brings joy and peace. And so when you hear the carols, you know, when you hear a Christmas carol, it's pretty hard to disagree with. I'm not saying Jesus part, but I mean, there's a baby. I like a baby and um, oh, and there's going to be joy and peace. Oh, well, I like joy and peace and you can kind of get on board and and it feels like family and, and it makes sense. While Easter is a story of a man who was betrayed by all of his friends, who was taken as a political prisoner, who was unjustly tried, who was executed in a gruesome way, uh, buried in a stranger's tomb, who all his friends then go back to fishing because they they think their life has been wasted for the past three years. He, he appears to women who are not a credible witness normally, and then when their friends finally do meet Jesus um, resurrected, as as I believe, or as the story goes, however you want to put it, um, he doesn't even really tell them that it's him. It, it's, it's shrouded in sort of mystery, and they can't understand the meaning of it. You know, like, they're like, well, you were just sort of our guru, but now you're a bit more than a guru. And I can see why 2,000 years later. Um, if people who struggle to believe in anything supernatural and they don't want to look like they've, they neither want to buy into the Christian right-wing rhetoric that makes people really nervous. You know, there's lots of scandals in New Zealand over the way that churches um, uh, leadership questionable stuff that people go. I don't want to be attached to that. I don't want to be affiliated with that. And and just this this idea of a man. God, man, dying and coming back to life. I just don't think people have much of a reference point to go. Well, how do I even engage with that? You know, it's not a, a baby with donkey. That's cute. I don't know how to engage with that.
0: So, it's, uh, yeah, uh, let, me, let me jump in here. Let me jump in because those two stories you have just told me. Yes. If you were pitching them to me as a movie. <laughs> yeah. I would what? take the second story in a heartbeat for an Oscar award winning film than the first story. So I find it fascinating that we're on one hand saying, well, you're saying, and I agree with you, that's a harder story to swallow, but actually that sounds like the, to quote a, to quote another person, the greatest story ever told, it sounds like that movie should be made and everyone should be taking it. And I mean, and some will obviously now point out that movie has been made, whether it's an allegory like, J.K. Rowling said Harry Potter was, and everyone consumed it and loved it and thought it was amazing, or whether it's a more literal like um, what was Mel Gibson's movie called, whatever it was called. The Passion. passion. The passion. The passion. But, yeah. but, but, but but the story you're telling, the, the the elevator pitch you've just given me of those two stories doesn't make sense to me why the second one won't be consumed.
1: Because yeah, I mean, the Easter story, funnily enough, contains so much stuff of our human experience. So um, uh, there's a service that happens on um, on Maundy Thursday, which is Thursday, Easter Thursday. It's called the Service of Shadows, Pat. Have you heard of the Service of Shadows? And it's doesn't miserable. Mean, yeah, no. It's miserable. And you turn up to a church um, following, I hope this doesn't put anyone off, but you turn up to a church <laughs> and they have seven candles lit. The church is like dark. And they have seven readings from the Bible, all of Jesus being betrayed. One by one, people abandoning him, turning his back. And every time it happens, they snuff out a candle until the church is black. And then they get everyone to stand up and take anything that is movable, any paintings, any crosses, any chairs, and you rip it out of the building because you sort of are saying, look at this person ultimately betrayed. And I think one of my greatest fears is betrayal. I look back at all my wounds and it's like it's when that ex-girlfriend betrayed me. Or like part of the human story is this fear of betrayal and making sense of it. And then you've got this thing of Jesus being unfairly executed, death. I mean, all of my friends are terrified of death. (laughs) So there's this part of the death. And then there's this good news of the resurrection part of actually of profound hope being found, a mysterious hope. Like, this kind of sense of, like, it's all shit, but there's some life here, and it's so hard to explain it. And I think I'm like you. I'm like, betrayal, existential dread, and profound, mysterious hope. You'd think you could sell that movie, but in New Zealand, you can only sell Hot Cross Bums. And I don't understand one part. What is it about that story that both resonates but puts people off so much? I don't know. Maybe it's Christians. Maybe it's... The way Christians are. But yeah, I agree. It's quite compelling. <laughs> I, Doesn't that um, sound to you? I the yeah. more I talk about it, the more I'm like, gosh, I should be a Christian.
0: I um, I don't know what that means entirely, but um <laughs> I I do wonder though, as we talk this out, even though I've Come said on. why wouldn't that be an attractive story? I do wonder if watching a movie is one thing, then having to believe and take on board that as truth or as your your direction or your focus of life is the actual hurdle isn't it because that story in a movie be it that story because it's a james bond movie or a harry potter movie or a you know or a passion movie tons of it we know tons of people watch them because we see the box office but then having to take the leap to that's actually an allegory for this real thing that happened in real life and to be a part of the club you sort of need to believe this was real and it really happened is probably leap. Right, so the- the-
1: well, yes, Pat, you do raise an issue that maybe people might take issue with the historical reality of this and and that it's not a story that you can easily be an armchair critic of because if you believe it, it then has massive ramifications of how you believe reality unfolds and how you should live your life. And if you don't believe it, it has other um, freedoms but also ramifications. So, yeah, I, I do kind of get that. But in your own life, I also... Um, because one of the Christian beliefs around Easter is not just that it's the death and resurrection of Jesus, but that there's a deeper spirituality that in each of us, we're constantly experiencing death and resurrections, things within us that need to be put to death and new life that needs to be resurrected. I've experienced that to be true, but I'm not sure that people are into that either. I i think the I've dealt with lots of young adults. That's been my background and yeah. not just Christian young adults. I mean, Mongrels, everyone. Love them all. You know what I mean? I used to play in a punk band, so I love them all. But I've noticed that people are people both know that there's a darkness within them of some sort. And yet, um, I think that there, there's a there's there, there has been in past generations more of a comfortableness to know that there's something not quite right with me. And I've mm-hmm. noticed that nowadays, uh, whether it's to do with self-esteem or self-acceptance that people are more uncomfortable with fronting up, that there is a kind of brokenness uh, within them. And it's funny, because I, in one part, the young people I talk to, I've never experienced so much self-loathing. Like, people hate themselves in a way that I've never experienced, and it's so sad. And you just want to tell them, don't you know that you're beloved? And yet, there's also this struggle to, to front up to some of the some of the bits within them that actually do probably aren't serving them and probably do need to die. And so I've personally I find the Easter story a personal one of I've just been like honestly this weekend I spent a lot of time reflecting on what parts of my life do I need to give up. Hmm. And I just think most people find that a gross thought.
0: Do you, you want to come up with a, do you come up with an answer to that for yourself what you need to give up? Yes.
1: Yeah, I know what I have to give up. I know my problem. Do you want to know my problem?
0: I mean, I, I mean, if you want to share it, you're welcome too. Because I'll tell you what I'm giving up at the moment. But you can, you go first. Okay, I do not know what you, would, would you, would first, you mean, want to go
1: first. I'll you mine. like depending on how severe your one is, I can match mine to whatever. You oh well, know, I'll what tell
0: I mean. you. One of the things I'm doing at the moment is I'm on a bit of a health kick, and I'm oh. like six, sixteen kilos down since the since January. So, um, as you're talking about, that's good. That's huge. Since you're talking about, I mean, I, I feel like when you're talking about darkness in people's lives, it might be more. Uh, maybe metaphorical or, or or emotional or mental health type things as well. But I would definitely uh, uh, for myself associate physical in there as well. That's you know I've been overweight my whole life, and I'm I'm an age now where if I don't get it right, then I'll shorten my life by 20 years. And as you get older, shortening someone's life by 20 years gets closer. It's kind of a bit of a fucking freak out. Um, So that's certainly something. And and as you're talking about, I think about how hard it is to do. You know, so the so you're talking about the story that easter story and how it's uh you didn't use these words but it's not an attractive thing to think about having to do hard things it relates to me at the moment because of the hard thing i'm doing totally. so, which is, yeah. i
1: think it's well put is that some of the most fruitful things we've done in life involve wrestling with difficult things and finding this line between utter self-acceptance and also fronting up to reality and saying there's some stuff here that needs to go yeah. you know and that's part of growth in, in life is is discerning where do i welcome life and where do i need to even though it's painful um kill stuff off stuff something needs to needs to die and i i don't think that's a popular framework for people to think about but it's a deep it's one that's kind of embedded in eastern um so and and yeah i agree with you so don't get me wrong i think when we talk around darkness i think people think it's 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 a um coded language for mental and emotional health. And, of course, that includes that. But um, it's the holistic person. It's the funny type of far. It's to do with our physical and our emotional and our relations. Like, a lot of issues um, can be around I need to forgive someone. Yeah. And I haven't. And, you know, they say not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And that sometimes it's like I need to put to death this resentment. Uh, it's not it's not serving me. Now it doesn't mean i have to trust that person, doesn't mean i have to even be in relationship with them, but i i need, you know. So the darkness comes in lots of different forms. The thing that's come up for me is um i'm a minister. I live a privileged life in so many ways like um you know, uh housing gets provided for me. I yeah. have a wonderful family the kids don't sleep that can be um, horrible i feel kind of tortured <laughs> by that um uh but it's easy now that i'm 41 i start to see all my friends own jet skis i'm seeing that they're getting ahead and i'm realizing that many of them probably earn twice as much as i do mm-hmm. now still when i look at the income of most people i'm doing much better than most people in the world easily and certainly many 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 people in new zealand Uh, But it's so easy to look and go, why do I have to have this difficult life where I can't own a hot tub, where I have to think about the bills I pay quite carefully, you know, that going on an overseas holiday just feels out of grasp. And, you know, with the cost and food and all that stuff. And I think just in the last 24 hours, as I've been deeply reflecting on Jesus heading to the cross uh, and this question of what is it Because Jesus says you have to lose your life to find it, um, which is this ironic statement that says if you go after your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it, somehow you find it. And um, I think I've been going, hmm, I probably haven't counted the cost of of what that means to live a life that's dedicated to um, building up people. It's a life dedicated to prayer. It's a life dedicated to trying to help foster within Pākehā some kind of spiritual, <laughs> spirituality. <laughs> like, <sighs> Come on. I them say parkyard like wet wood. It's like, come alive. <sighs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that's, that's really satisfying, but it's costly because I could have worked in TV or I could have kept working in radio and I could have made more money. And I probably would have been miserable, but I would have had a hot tub. And sometimes I'm like, Jesus, give me a hot tub. And it sounds so lame, but the hot tub represents my desire to have any fantasy, for my life to be easy, for my life to be comfortable. And I just don't, that's not the Easter story. And you can see why that's hard to sell, hey? Like you can see what I'm saying, that's a hard sell. So I think it's profoundly true. It's just quite confronting. Uh, And I found it confronted. I had communion last night. And as I ate the bread, it just tasted lifeless and like, Mm. oh, this is so hard. Um, So, yeah, so I guess that is for me, the Easter story is both this big story. Yep, I do believe that of um, Jesus. But also it's a very personal one. And if you get people one-on-one, Pat, I do think they engage in the story. When they get on social media, when they get into groups, the masks come on. Yeah. and becomes a lot more full of hustle and just sort of trying to get one over white Christianity. You know what I mean? Like kind of North American um, right-wing Christianity. So, yeah.
0: There is, um a, a part of this conversation that I want to jump at in, uh, today as well is to also talk about how we do communicate that and, and, and what in this 2022 Western, you know, Pakeha culture we live in, what, what responsibility do, for example, the education system have to tell these stories as well, if any. Now, I think most of us, perhaps even you, would agree that, you know, uh, proselytizing in a school is not appropriate and, you know, you don't want to put a kid in a situation where they have to do that kind of thing. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. Well, it doesn't matter. But because I'm also talking about there is a historical context to um, what we're talking about and also a societal context. I mean, Easter is celebrated in this country, has been since, the, the, since I guess, we were, um, this country was colonised, so it's a big part of our history. And this is not a new clip. It's from a few years ago when Paul Henry was doing The Breakfast Show. But they were having a conversation on there about how do we talk about Easter in schools. Um, Sarah Longbottom is the lady you're seeing on screen right now. For people who are listening, we're going to watch a video which you'll hear. It's a conversation between two people. It's a conversation between Paul Henry, who was the breakfast host then, and educator Sarah Longbottom, talking about the way that we should talk about Easter in schools and maybe religion in schools and i just wanted to play this bit and then we'll reflect back on what we hear as well so think about um if you're listening think about two people kind of having a conversation around how do we do we how do we slash do we even um, acknowledge easter in a school curriculum in a school setting or do we not and this is what they both had to say is are actually quite important
2: within a school talking about easter because you're worried that someone will feel excluded. Surely there's a way you can do it. I mean, even if you do it on a historical basis. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree. But that comes down to who is teaching it. Is it an expert teacher or is it someone from a religious organisation outside of the school that's sending in a volunteer teacher? Are we accepting this as a thorny? No, I'm not going to accept it as a thorny issue. It shouldn't be thorny, it should be straightforward. It's religion, it's It's the thing that clears out dinner parties. It is a thorny issue. Yeah, well, maybe it clears out dinner parties. If you go into a dinner party in New Zealand and say to people, what exactly is... Easter about mm. a lot of people adults I'm talking about now won't yeah, know absolutely because people don't It should be taught in schools do you know what I'm saying it should be taught but in schools but people but are along, so bloody precious well again, maybe it should be taught in schools but God, alongside up, alongside a lot of other religion and culture religious and cultural observances well, like? no it doesn't have to see so you don't need to mention other religions Why not? because it's Easter Yes, I know it is. It doesn't belong to the other religions. But if we're looking at that, then are we celebrating Diwali? Are we celebrating Hanukkah? Are we celebrating all the other? Not with statutory days off. No. No, we're not. So that's. But that, to me, is another issue. That's not about whether we teach it in school. I've run out of time. Damn it, Um, Sarah. It's been fantastic (laughs) having you. It has been amazing. So there you go. And
0: look, giving, giving. um, Excuse me, my dog just decided to come home. Was it? Um, Giving. I think Paul Henry, to be fair, missed something there. I don't think she was saying, at Easter time we need to teach Diwali. I think what she was saying is, if we teach Easter, then we should be teaching a bunch of things like that, which I which I agree with, but I think the Paul, the, the point Paul Henry was making was but this is a part of this this country we live in and it's acknowledged, I you go, get on your mat, um, it's acknowledged by a statutory holiday, so we should be teaching why it's there, the historical context of it, and that for me, it feels like that reflects a little bit what we've been talking about, about this message and the story that's not understood or not taken on board very well. And if if nothing else, an understanding of what it was and why the day is here. I mean, we typically understand why Waitangi Day is here. We typically understand why you know, Queen's Birthday weekend's here. You know, these days, what's the difference with understanding not selling it as even the truth or converting someone, but selling school kids or the public in general as to why Easter is here? May not be why it's here today for them, but at some reason this was the reason it was started.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it is a. I mean, there's a lot of layers um, in in that. I mean, as a as as a uni chaplain, I ran up against these arguments a lot. Um, we're often people who don't hold any faith, which is fine by the way, they don't hold <laughs> faith, but I think they think of themselves as climbing up on this ladder of of, of spiritual objectivity, and that. The only person that can truly teach about Islam and Christianity and Judaism and Sikhism is someone who holds no faith because they're not biased. Because, of course, you know what? The only non-biased person out there is a white, middle-class, educated person with a university degree. That's the only person who can safely talk oh. about religion. And you go, this is bullshit I mean it's just not true you wouldn't say look I'm sorry from all sorts of cultural perspectives the only person that's allowed to talk about a culture is someone who's not from that culture because they might put a bit of a spin on it so I do think that um, most Christians I know well I hang out with a mongrel lot Pat most Christians I know people say well if we let Christians talk we'd have to let anyone talk and we go of course yes you would you couldn't lock everyone out. You'd have to actually let people share their faith. You could. You can't say, bring your whole person to education, and then say, but there's one part of you that is filthy, and it's your religious belief that we must keep out. Like you just can't. You. Can't, I just can't take that seriously that our education is pushing towards that. But also, yeah, I mean, people. Uh, people do well to know the stories that have massively influenced their own cultural story and I mean all stories not just um, Easter of course Um, but also people do well when they get out into the world to know it's embarrassing in New Zealand it's embarrassing how badly religiously educated we are Um, I remember talking to a journalist that did the religious beat for the press and she said I was so embarrassed when I went to England and I realized I didn't know the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant. Like I had no idea what a, you know, what a Hindu was or what a Muslim actually believed. And I think in New Zealand we live this quite isolated shell of ourselves that you can behave as if people don't have faith, but they do. And you can mm. tell kids that they don't but they do like faith is a big part of New Zealand and it's going to be a bigger part with lots of different faiths. So I think that Parkyard need to stop being so freaking nervous about faith. And rather than treating it as an evil topic, saying this is an exciting part of what it means to be a human. Let's learn what these different beliefs mean. We don't yeah. have to disprove them. We can just say, here's some of the beliefs uh, at the very least. You know, I found when I was working at university that, I, some of my best friends were the Muslim Imams where we would be going into bat for each other over and against um, agnostic parkia, who, who were sort of, I don't know, like they just wanted to shut that part of being a human down and it made no sense to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a really, it's a particular parkia, New Zealand quirk that we think that faith and spirituality is so dangerous uh, now I'm not saying that bad things don't happen. Of course they do. I'm not saying that people don't come into schools to teach things with agendas. They do. Most people have an agenda of some sorts. I mean it, it does happen. But I just wish that I just wish that people could could be much more open and kind of exploring these things. And then it, it's not all bad. Like I just don't know what, there's something about religion that just makes like parkyard's heads explode. And I'm like, I just like, chill out, guys. It's, we're just talking about God, let's not freak out so much, you know.
0: It's an, it's an interesting point you raise, and in fact, I had um, I think it was Martha Davidson on the other day, I might be wrong on that, but it was it was a um, it was someone with a with an, an appropriate level of understanding of a cultural issue who said, Oh, no, sorry, it was Debbie Naruapaka. That's what it was. I knew it was a thing in my head it was a politician Um, who said, you know, if we're going to make decisions, we're talking about Māori co-governance, if you're going to make decisions based around this sort of thing, then Māori needs to be the people who you talk to about it because they're the ones who are being impacted by it or who are, who are putting it forward. So as you say that, I kind of think, yeah, of course, but if you're if you're innately, have an innate understanding of a topic, be that Easter or be that ballroom dancing, you know, you are probably, I wonder if what they're saying is those dirty Christians can't be trusted to just have it as a topic in schools rather than an agenda behind it to try and to try and do it. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying yeah. it's fair. I'm not saying it's no, fair. But maybe just, they can't.
1: Because yeah. no one's trustworthy all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, luckily we never let capitalism into our schools, do we? <laughs> like we don't let any other, of course, because our schools are just free of all agendas. So it's absolutely fine. But um, but partly it's like you can think these things through. Like you just go, well, what are the requirements of
0: I, I just think... Hey, hey, let's, let, let me I want to ask you something. I'm interrupting you, and I'm sorry about that, because I want to ask you something. Because I think we're both talking about something similar, which is the what, that, that these issues are happening. I'd like to actually spend a few minutes into the why. Why is it that, that for example, uh, Sarah Longbottom there didn't want to have religious people in talking about the issues? Why is it that there is that thing around it, as opposed to it being there? Let's acknowledge that it's there. But, but for example, if you were doing Diwali to have someone who is has the faith and belief and celebrates Diwali would be the appropriate person to come in. Why is it that it seems that Christendom is out on, out on the sidelines a little bit when it comes to these conversations and having the experts in that involved is a no-go, but the experts in other religious areas, if it was being taught in school, would be the right person to have in? But I'm, I'm talking about the appearance of that. That's what it feels like it's the case.
1: Uh, well, then I, mean, I think because people think Christianity is a cancer.
0: But why is not Ramadan or Hinduism or you know, what, you know those other ones are cancer? Why is that? So why is it different? Is what I'm asking.
1: Well, I think there's a there's a tendency for, I mean, I, all these words are loaded in ways I don't mean them to be. So I hope I hope you go get a sense I've got a big axe to grind or that I'm like sort of coming from. I um, I spend a lot of my time just working in institutions and I totally understand why they'd be nervous around Christians like. Often they don't tell me. I'm the one saying, if I was you, I'd be really nervous having me here because I think we're going to brainwash people. And you think that Christianity is a colonial power that's stolen, you know, uh, land and, and corrupted minds of indigenous thinking. And you go through the list and you can tell that they're going, well, he said it, but they won't. They won't <laughs> into you they'll go oh no 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 we like you speaking no 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 we don't think that at all and you're like that is a lie that's what i'd be thinking if i was you um oh i guess that other other cultures and faith firstly because people are so ignorant of faith i think they think other faiths are cute by and large right wow and I think that because Christianity, of course, has been the dominant power and it's had a lot of blood on its hands and to do with whether it's to do with colonization, to do with, like you're talking around, abuse, uh, injustice, that yeah. um, it's both a cancer and it's passe. se. It just sort of feels like this lame, dominant power that's privileged and that people are like, we kind of moved on. So it's, it's clear that in one sense, Christianity, is still the dominant power because we've got yep. statutory holidays, but in another sense, it's a waning dominant power where people are like, and by people, can I just say, you know, tends to be more in the educated class, people like me, kind of educated, um, who are kind of like, yeah, we're done with this. And it's just awkward. So the, I think they're often like, we're kind of happy to have other faiths because that represents a multicultural, an openness, a wideness, a broadness. The problem, let me tell you, there is one issue with this, Pat. There you go. Which means people of other faiths laugh about behind secular agnostic people's backs in a loving way because we think they're beloved children of God. We laugh because we go, we're really comfortable with each other of different faiths and we're comfortable disagreeing. We're fine. My Muslim friends go, "Yeah, you're a Christian." I know what that means. It's fine that you're a Christian, but we're not the same. We disagree, and I'm like with my Muslim friends. Yeah, we're people of the book. I love you, brother. I think you're made in the image of God, but I don't follow Muhammad. Like we're comfortable with it. All the different religions know what they believe, yeah. and. I know that there's violence religious violence but the surprising thing for lots of people who aren't of faith is that people of other faiths get on pretty well they've got a lot in common they've got lots in common uh, and so I I think that's one of the things is I think people I think people in faith are more comfortable disagreeing than people who don't have faith okay and- and that sometimes there's a sense of trying to shut that disagreement down when it's not nasty, it's just re- reality. So I've, I've just heard it a lot in a lot of spaces where people say, well, if we had that group, we'd have to have all the groups. And mostly we go, that's fine. But what they really want is is no groups or people to be cute. They're happy to have you and your interesting religion as long as you're cute. As long oh. as, you know, as long as it doesn't, bite too much as long as you don't cause too much trouble as long as you don't make anyone feel too awkward and so muslims i know know that you know as long as we stay over here and don't cause too much trouble they'll leave us alone christians know just keep your head down stay cute (laughs) be helpful pack lunches Mm -hmm. they'll leave you alone but there is a kind of an intolerance to that awkwardness i think of, of religious conversations that a mature society would just start Fronting up to, and we're going to have to because we're a multicultural, multi religious society. So we're going to have to work out a bit more of a sensible, mature way to deal with these things. I think
0: I'll give you another thing that, as you were talking, it just made me think. I think one of the reasons perhaps there's a different reaction to, for example, you know, Christian ideas and that kind of stuff compared to Hindu or whatever is because Christian ideas, people think that those have impacted my life and how I live for example, a woman in America who may want an abortion, you know, whereas I I suspect that uh, Hindu idea has never impacted that woman in any form, in any shape, in any way whatsoever. You know, here in New Zealand, maybe not so much today, but I know of people who like, you know, got pregnant in the 60s and 70s and 50s and stuff, and they were sent away, and they were sent away because they'd sinned and the family didn't want to have shame brought upon them by their local church, so they were sent off to a farm to have the baby and then come back like nothing had ever happened, whereas those same people have probably never been impacted by Buddhism in a, in, in a way. Now, I'm not saying that that's a fair or an appropriate summation of what that Christian religion believes, but I, I also wonder if it's like, it's like saying, well, we're going to push back against the, the big bully pulpit because that's been around all the time. But these guys over here have never impacted me. So they're cute, as you say, they're fine. I'm happy to you know have them involved. That probably has a big part to play with it as well. The dominant force is the one that gets the pushback.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it should. Like, I I'm like, yeah, dominant power should always be held to account and critiqued. Mm-hmm. Because the church and Christianity has been coercive in, in different times. So uh but I, I also I sometimes think we haven't had a very mature conversation over how different, how we can accept different faiths in society and work out a way to get along. But you're right. Also, there's an amplification, of course, of always bad stories.
0: And yeah, so you yeah. don't
1: hear any news. You know, I read a headline where says, Doris goes to St. Thomas's for 40 years has satisfying prayer life
0: and dies. <laughs> well, like, like, like it seemed like today, when I gave you that reaction to Catholic boys boarding school, I'm not saying you were surprised, but there'll be some people out there going, oh, I thought everyone hated it because there are the only stories you hear. Whereas I, for me yeah, personally, in my experience, I loved it. So um, listen, no, I want to I, I, I talk, I want to ask you one other thing, completely new sort of subject matter before we come back. And I'm going to give you a chance to, I mean, maybe wrap for us about kind of this conversation's been about Easter in a modern 2022 Western culture. Maybe you can share some thoughts on that at the end. But this has just come out today, and I'd like to get your take on it because I i don't know whether I'm allowed to think it's hilarious or not. And you're a reverend, and so you can give me permission or not. I'm
1: to, I'll make a judgment. I'll make a response. This
0: is hilarious. This is literally just sort of news that's just come out in the last few while. There's a um, a surf shop on Auckland's North Shore. Um, who has had to remove their Jesus Saves Easter promotion from its website. Um, It's it's like a cringe joke. I cringe when I say this, but the promotion that they had read, the slogan was, nail these prices, uh, nail these deals, prices will rise again. Um, (laughs) They've apologized and they've taken it down. So there's a thing, and it said, Jesus saves 20% off all sale. Um, So they've taken it down because there was a complaint by a Christian. Um, who has said a Christian man has found the whole promotion, which is also emailed to customers, and features that were offensive. The whole Christian belief in its uh, death and resurrection of Jesus. So to mock that belief is incredibly offensive, especially in reference to nails, the instrument used to hang Jesus, hurtful, painful, and blasphemous. It also featured a dollar sign in Jesus, which was said to be distasteful. Um, I, I, I kind of think it's kind of hilarious and actually quite clever as well. Um, and I don't know. I'm not asking you to either, you know, be for it or against it, but it kind of relates a little bit to the story we're talking about today, which is, you know, kind of Easter in a modern 2022 Western culture. Here's here's a here's a business that's tied into Easter in a modern 2022 and used iconography from it and stuff in what some deem as an offensive way. And they're, they've removed it. This has been, actually, I even noticed stuff. Stuff put up a warning like a trigger warning. Article contains version of the removed promotional material. Um, <laughs> and I wonder if that's a trigger warning for if anyone else sees it, that stuff doesn't offend them. But um, yeah, I'm just interested what, what your thoughts are around this because I feel well, very thought yeah. is Christendom's
1: not dead yet, because you right. wouldn't do the, you, you know. Obviously, they think that still has some traction that people know what Easter is about. Um actually, you know, I, I talked to a bishop in England once that there was a woman wearing a crucifix. And uh, and and she said, Oh, what do you do for a job? And he says, Oh, I'm a bishop. And she said, Oh, what does that mean? And he said, You see that little man on your necklace? I tell people about him. And she <laughs> said, Oh, and she, he said, That's Jesus. And she said, Oh, I always wondered who he was. <laughs> oh, my goodness, really? Yeah. So, in one part, um, one part is a kind of a funny ad, and another part, it's probably quite a niche market that anyone even knows that Jesus is about Easter. Um, yeah, I mean, I personally don't find, not so much it offensive, I don't know that they said anything terribly wrong other than if you're a really pious Christian that genuinely believed that the Son of God died on a cross to redeem the universe. Maybe you'd find it a little distasteful. I could understand. And I guess we wouldn't do that with other religious beliefs. Um, right. But I still see Christianity as just being punched up. And I personally am like, I just have to suck it up for another 30 years. Yep.
0: thousand years?
1: Yeah, so I, yeah, I know. Yeah. And there's a great tradition, I hope, of Christianity sometimes getting, uh, not having it go well. And that's actually part of the Christian story. But I, yeah. I just think that's part of being the dominant religion is that you have to deal with people doing parodies of you. Um, and I, I, for me, I've seen much worse parodies, Pat. I have, I mean, people have sent me things where they think it's funny, and I'm like, I'm trying not to be offended but <laughs> by Jesus you're talking about, but I think we just have to personally, I think we have to not play the victim and it as best we can. That's what I try uh, to do.
0: I'm reminded of Oscar Wilde. I'm just looking for the exact quote. So I don't get it wrong. Uh, the only thing, the only, uh, there's only one thing in life worse than being talked about. And that is not being talked about.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And it'd be not, it'd be nice if, and this is the big critique. If Christians would get a little less worked up over advertisements, and a little more worked up around, say, the way we're treating the poor, um, the way that we are. You know, some of the fundamentals over what Jesus was um, about in terms of his is ethics. It would be nice if we got a little more hot under the collar. Uh, about that. the In my own life, I don't do that myself. And I think I acknowledge I get worked up about things that I probably shouldn't.
0: Um, Before we wrap up, I do definitely want to show people one thing because I'm sure it's one of the highlights of your career. (laughs) Tell us about your punk band. I'm proud.
1: (laughs) Clown Dog, great band name. You know, some band names don't date well um that's one of them yeah we're a punk band we bet shapeshifter in a band competition once that was our big claim to fame that didn't work out for us uh and we're probably most famous for throwing meat into the audience rather than our rather than our music which meat also into now- the audience so that was yeah. well before yeah.
0: Stephen aoki does cakes you guys were meat that's because from new meet. zealand
1: which of course, now doesn't look very ethical or sustainable. But back then, you've got to understand you can't judge us, Pat, by today's ethical standard. You've got to realize we we're a band of our time, and throwing meat was art. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that was my story: was playing in a punk band. There we
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember, I remember listening to Ricky Gervais and um Stephen Merchant on their uh, XFM radio show, and they used to say. You can always tell if a band's going to make it by giving them an introduction on stage. Uh, So you'd go, welcome to the stage, clown dog. And if it doesn't feel right, then they're never going to make it.
1: No, you've made a good point that I'm happy to tell the story of my band, but I always avoid saying the name of it. Yeah. Because I'm so, you know, because it sounds so bad. But we had quite a cult following. Um, As throwing meat tended to do. And, gosh we had some good times I mean it was it was amazing Student, uh, but, was
0: it students who were mostly looking for dinner is it mostly who the the followers uh, were you think
1: well yeah they weren't we we were on the benefit and many of our listeners were as well
0: yeah it was,
1: rich, it was a rich environment um but no we had a good time good time and uh, it was really formative in my life. And I probably got to hang out – I think it's probably where I got to hang out with some interesting people. I grew up on a sheep farm in Nelson, and it was a real chance for me to get out and discover that there were different people than me who believe different things that I do, and that has served me very well for all of my life.
0: Well, uh, Reverend Spanky, um, I kind of feel like the, the the genesis of this conversation was to talk about – well, I mean, just have a chat. That's what I always do, just have a chat. Which we go down different places but also to talk about sort of uh, what Easter is in 2022 in a Western culture, you know, using that idea of when we did the Google search, it's not being around. I, I guess it will be uh, appropriate, and, and actually I just want to, to kind of give you an opportunity to sort of wrap up and all the places we've been in this conversation for an hour. Is there anything you want to add or leave us with or whatever about what we've been talking about before we say see you later, thanks for your time, and have a good Easter weekend?
1: I, I mean, I do want to encourage all of us to – Every to ask that question, what is the thing within me that really needs to be put to death and what's the thing that needs to come to life? Um, but you know, the thing I don't get to tell people very often, there's one time I was at a wedding and this woman bailed me up and was just tearing strips off me for being a priest. I was doing it. I was marrying these people. And this woman (laughs) was absolutely tearing strips off me for being a priest and telling, I just sat there eating sausage rolls, listening. She told me everything wrong with my belief, everything wrong that the church had done, what was wrong with believing in a God and an evil world. And I was about to go and hide in the disabled toilets to get away from her. And um, I thought, oh, no, I'll ask her a question. Um, And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Got a lot of thoughts there. What do you make of Jesus? And she just almost took, you know, she stopped speaking for 20 seconds because no one had ever asked her the question. And she was like, I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about that. And it's like, oh, I think you've got. I think you've got the wrong idea. I think you think that Christians are obsessed with this abstract idea of God, when the truth is Christians are trying to make sense of this person of Jesus. If you haven't picked up in the branding, Christian, it's like in the name. So Mm -hmm. a lot of my wrestle is encountering the stories of who Jesus is and trying to make sense of who he claimed to be, and then trying to make sense of the death and resurrection. And um, I find that a lot of people just have not given Jesus the time of day. Like they haven't, say, read about him, learned much about him, made some decisions. And the key thing, I think, is not to judge a faith uh, based off some of the bad press, even though I understand why. I just want to implore people to, um, if they haven't, have some time considering who, who Jesus is. You probably won't be convinced. I'm not saying that you will. But I think it's sad to get to the end of your life, having never interrogated the life of probably the human or the God man, but the human has had the most impact on our ethics. Like, I just think it's like, why not? Why not spend an hour uh, on Easter getting a sense of actually what is the story about, whether you believe it's a supernatural story or just a, a story of history. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the thing. I think it's sad that just because Jesus is a religious person, people spend very little time learning about him and understanding what he was about, his culture, what he was teaching, and and why his claims have both people have hated him, why did he get killed, and also why 2,000 years later uh, there are millions and millions of people who still follow him. I think he's a f- most fascinating character that is worth some time spending time with. So there you have it.
0: How about that? Ah, uh, sounds pretty good to me. I
1: reckon I threaded the needle there where I didn't sound too religious. It's hard. But I think I, you know, I think I was honest around what East is about. So.
0: Um, spanky, as we go out with our new wallpaper there in the background. We're gonna leave it up there for uh, forever more. Maybe. maybe I'll put it behind there. <laughs> hey yeah, uh, thanks so much for giving us some time today. I do really appreciate you. Obviously, and, uh, you know, it's 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 your busy time of year, one of your busier cool. times of year. And so I appreciate you giving us an hour out of your day to um have a quick chat and talk about, you know, life, the universe and everything around Easter in a western country in twenty twenty two. I appreciate it and um have a really good weekend and I and, and um yeah, all the best to you and yours for this uh I guest celebratory weekend for you. It is you know. in the end. I mean, remember yeah.
1: that. It's the weekend. On Friday, we're sad. On Saturday, we're waiting around fishing. And on Sunday, we're stuck. So it's a mix. It's a mixed mix kind of thing. So, hey, sounds God bless you. Fun. Sounds fun uh, to go fishing yeah. on
0: Saturday. I like that idea. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, go fishing on Saturday. It's a great All
1: right, idea. Hi, brother. Hey, well, thank you, see you. All right, man. See ya. Bye.